This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Regardless whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDB. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Last night was was truly interesting, um, the way this whole thing unfolded. The first time... I didn't have a horse in the team, a horse in the race. The first time I wasn't on pins and needles. The first time I just wanted to hear which one was going to win, what it, which one had something to say. I don't know what the <clears throat> dial testing says. I didn't watch the pundits because I'm watching CNN and they say, oh my gosh, it was so clear Hillary Clinton won. And I'm like, huh. I didn't think. And then I punch over to uh, to Fox, and they're like, oh, my gosh, it was so clear that Donald Trump won. And I thought, huh, I didn't think. So I'm left in the same place. But I have uh, a lot of good things to say about Donald Trump, fewer good things to say about Hillary Clinton, but some good things to say about her performance last night. Um, and a ton of... Crazy things to point out from both of them. I guess if you're tired of the game and knowing exactly what people are going to say, um, this is the show for you. And we begin right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have one. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. On the surface, I don't think there was a clear winner uh, last night. Uh, But we're not surface dwellers. Um, uh, On the uh, deeper level, I think there was a clear winner last night, and it was Donald Trump. And uh, let me explain uh, why. I thought, no, no, hear me out. Um, I thought Donald Trump um, did a couple of things. I tried to watch this last night um, as somebody who didn't have a horse in the race, because I don't. Um, and I tried to watch this as somebody who has been trying to keep their head above water, knows that the country is in trouble, but doesn't really have a horse in the race. They, they, they're just looking for somebody to fix it because they're in pain. And they're in pain that nobody is listening to them. Washington is hopelessly broken. It's nothing but the Republicans and the Democrats arguing with each other. I'm sick and tired of it. Um, My job is going away. I'm losing my job. I know the banking and Wall Street is corrupt. And I know we're in for big trouble. I know. I couldn't tell you why. But I know this is all bogus. And something's coming bad. I'm sick and tired of... 
of the wars. I'm sick and tired of of being told one thing and them doing another when it comes to the wars. I am I am sick of hearing that there has been uh, another mass shooting by a guy with an uh, Islamic name, but we don't even mention that he's Islamic. We, 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 we're not mentioning those things. However, any time that anybody else is shot, we have to go for some, we, we will make up categories, a Hispanic white guy. Um, we'll, we'll make up categories to blame things on race. And we'll do everything we can to not even mention Islam. I went with that attitude. And then on the other side, I also went with a young person that knows, and because this is, this is the future. Everybody says, oh, you can't, oh, you can't see this. You're destroying our future. Really? Really? Because the future are our children. The future are the millennials. And the millennials hate both of these guys. They don't believe in the Republicans. They don't believe in the Democrats. They don't believe in Donald Trump. Look at Donald Trump's millennial numbers. Ghost town. Um, they don't believe in Hillary Clinton. Not as much of a ghost town, but moving towards a ghost town. They don't believe in the system at all. And why should they? Why should they? They see their parents who have lived their lives the right way being screwed. They see their parents living this American dream that has got them massively in debt. They know the world is changing, but they see, they see people on television debating uh, cybersecurity and referring to it as the cyber. <laughs> I don't know if we can ever fix the cyber. What the hell is that? <laughs> completely out of touch, completely out of touch. So I tried to watch it as somebody who is, is more prone to the right um, but not a partisan who is worried about all the things, quite honestly, that I am. And then I tried to watch it as a millennial at the same time who doesn't agree with the answers that a conservative would get. But both of them are sick of the process because that really, honestly, is the bulk of America. Everything else is 30%. Those people who are still playing the political game, I'm sorry, gang, but you're 30%. Everybody thinks talk radio is so powerful. No, no, we're not. No, we're not. We're, we're, we're not even that powerful in our own circle. You know, we believe the press for so long that, oh, you know, talk radio, that's, a, that's changing the world. No, it's not. No, it's not. We're talking, we're preaching to the choir. We have our own culture and our own big click. And we preach to the choir. And very few people, especially now, very few people are stumbling in to see it. It's the same group of people, and we're talking to the same group of people every day. And, we, and they go from one show to the other, and that is what's happening. We're not part of the culture. We're a subset of the culture. So outside of this culture and outside of the deep, progressive, I don't even know, institutional culture of the left... They're 30%. Average Americans are doing their job. 
Average Americans are getting up every day and they look, they're, they're, they're throwing their hands up and going, what the hell is wrong with this? So I try to watch as those people. And Hillary Clinton was the most likable I've ever seen her. And she was not likable. She was the most likable I've ever seen her. But I think it was because he is so unlikable. If you would have put him against, if you would have put her against even Kasich, Kasich would have won. If you would have put her against, yeah, unlikable, untrustworthy, unlikable. She was wearing a very interesting, she was wearing a red pantsuit. Why was she wearing the red pantsuit? Because she needed to look powerful. She needed to look like a powerful woman who isn't sick. <laughs> and I can, I can move and don't take, please take the camera off me at the end when I'm bowing down or I'm trying to lean down to kiss somebody on the cheek because I look like I'm 8,000 years old. Take the camera off me. I'm wearing red power suit. And because this is a play, Donald Trump, I need to look credible. I need to look kind. I need to look honorable. I don't need to look powerful. Everybody knows I'm powerful. I need to wear a soft blue tie because that says respectability. That says honor. That says trustworthiness. (laughs) And the game started there. Hillary Clinton comes out full-fledged socialist. Full-fledged socialist. Stunning to me. Um... I've never, I mean, anybody was hoping for triangulation. Woo, that's not happening. She comes out and uh, she talks in, you know, the old triple, what was he, trumped up, trickle down. <laughs> Let me come up with a, a cute thing that we ran through some focus groups, okay? Because we got that 30% of a population that just are going to vote for me anyway. And I ran through a focus group and we found that it would be funny to say, trumped up, trickle down economics. And it doesn't work. So I'm going to tell you something new, something very, very new. It's called socialism. Uh, and it hasn't worked anywhere in the world and it's okay it's 170 years old now but it's brand new because it hasn't been tried by us and uh, this trumped up trickle down economics just won't work how's the dial testing doing how's the dial testing doing (laughs) same old stuff over and over and over again and by the way my dad is better than your dad because my dad had a squeegee your dad had a checkbook and by the way, the uh, trumped up trickle down thing was interesting because that's not even the correct liberal argument as to what caused the financial crisis. Like we're supposed to believe that a, a cut from 39.6% to 35% for the upper ech- echelon of taxpayers was the thing that caused the financial housing crisis. That's so, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. So Hillary Clinton goes full-fledged socialist on one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And that is, you know what? You know what the problem is? It's a new day. It's a new day, and we have some new ideas that we're going to implement. For instance, we think companies should share the wealth, should share the profits. That's the most important thing. In my first 10 minutes, because the first 10 minutes of any debate is the most important thing, so what do I have on my list? I am going to force companies to share the wealth. Wow, Don't know where we find that one in the Constitution, but don't worry. We have the constitutional expert running to uh, the aid of the Constitution to make sure that that's not the solution. The solution is keeping these companies here, and I will make them stay here. 
And I will make them do these things. And I will make them stay here. Okay, so I could go on and on in this kind of mode because that's what it was. I love the people who are saying, oh, it was so clear last night. To whom? To whom? To whom was it so clear? I'll tell you who it was clear to. Donald Trump and whoever did this, and I got to believe this is Roger Ailes. Because this is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. Did you hear who he blamed everything on last night? Hillary Clinton said, I'm going to be here and you're going to blame everything on me by the end of the night. (laughs) But who did he actually blame everything on? Everything. Everything. He didn't blame it on the Democrats. He didn't even mention the Republicans. He is a totally new animal. He blamed it on the politicians. Every time, the politicians. Independents, the independents, uh, the millennials, and any independent, anybody who doesn't have a team. And I got news for you guys, everybody who's playing teams, you, you think that you're going to save the country, but you are playing the short game. The long game is to think 2020, 2024, 2028, Is there a country left, you will say? No, probably not. But the reason why there won't be a country left is because we have cannibalized each other and we have ripped each other apart because nobody is looking at the long-term game. And that is, what's worth saving? Donald Trump is going to look like a genius on a couple of things. These quotes, if she wins, the quotes that he gave last night on a couple of things are going to absolutely come to pass and they're going to come to pass if he becomes president, too. But he will forget it, and his solutions will only make it worse, as, we're her, as will hers. He said, we're in a bubble. We're in a bubble, and it's going to pop, and it's going to be the worst disaster ever. ever. Yeah, he's absolutely right. Absolutely right. But here's what happened. Because he, because he targeted politicians, he wasn't doing the same old, same old. While he was, while he was, I can't even say proposing ideas because I didn't hear any real ideas proposed last night. I I barely heard them from her, but I didn't hear any new ideas proposed. I heard the same thing. We're going to force these companies to stay. We're going to force China to pay their fair share. Um, Hey, who doesn't love Russia? I mean, I, I didn't hear any solutions even when he got specific and asked for specifics, how do you repatriate $5 trillion? Now, listen to the logic. We have to have tariffs, smoot Holly. That's what caused the Great Depression. We have to have tariffs and taxes. And we have to repatriate $5 trillion in cash. Why? Because his logic was that money is going to come back flooding into the system and it's going to circulate in the economy and start, people are going to start spending that money. What that will mean is if you put $5 trillion of U.S. currency back into this system overnight, and it actually does circulate in the economy, you will have hyperinflation. You will have a crash and hyperinflation. So neither of them, neither of them at least he was recognizing the problems. But if I was watching this as a millennial, he said enough to me. You know what? I agree with her. I agree with 
universal health care. I agree with, you know, taking the guns and forget the Constitution. Uh, taking the guns, a common sense thing. If you're on a no-fly list, you shouldn't have a gun. Uh, and uh, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on some of the... He agreed with her on that. Yeah, the 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 uh, child welfare, the child uh, home uh, uh, daycare stuff. I agree with you on all of that. There's lots of things we agree on. So if I'm hearing that, I'm hearing he's not for the two-party system. Mm. Now, I don't know if he appealed to the millennials, but he absolutely appealed to me if I worked for Carrier and my job was at stake. And all I want is an end to this two-party nonsense and an end to all of the stuff that I have seen and heard under George Bush and Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. I want an end. I think he won last night, and I think he won actually uh, because it's a new world. I think he won in a big way. Now this, if you're thinking about buying a safe, there are some special offers on Liberty Safes right now, and the offers are very, very rare. Go to libertysafe.com and find the page with my handsome face. Okay, well, look for the one with my face on it. It might. Anyway, type in Glenn and you'll find discounts and rebates up to $250. And you can visit your nearest Cabela's store where all of the Cabela's safes are now on sale. Why would I tell you about a Cabela safe? Because Cabela has just put their name on Liberty. Liberty Safe makes all of the Cabela's safe. And they're having a safe sale like never before with the lowest prices of the year now through October 2nd at Cabela's. I don't know about you, but I could just hang out at a Cabela's all day long. I go in there. There is no such thing as I'm just going to run into Cabela's just real quick. You run in at 9 o'clock in the morning at Cabela's unless you have your wife going, you better go up. You were there at 5 p.m. in the afternoon. Cabela's safes have the same great quality and lifetime warranty that you're going to find with all Liberty safes. Now their biggest uh, sale of the year, you can save hundreds of dollars. They even have the Pro Vault safes made by Liberty starting as low as $369. You don't find deals like this? Go to your nearest Cabela's store and see Liberty safes on sale right now. It's always a great time to buy a Liberty, but now is the best time. Go to libertysafe.com or go to your nearest Cabela's Outfitters. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. This episode of Serial is made possible by Goldline. Read their important risk information and find out if gold or silver is right for you. Call them like I did years ago, 877-370-COIN, or go to goldline.com. Wow. Sign up you for the t- newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. I wish, I wish we could cover what Pat just said on the radio, but I think we would lose our FCC license oh. on how much he hates Hillary Clinton. Oh, I can't. I wanted so desperately to root for that guy last night. I, I just desperately wanted to root for him. But he has nothing in common with me. Nothing. 
or I have nothing in common with him. And he can't defend conservative constitutional conservative principles at all he's got no he can't clue. even defend he can't even defend he can't even defend capitalism, capitalism. and he is the ultimate I mean, capitalist she, here she is starting off on this communist rant to start the debate last Which, night I, I mean it was full-fledged communism oh no no i i've never heard i, I, I have not heard barack obama go that marxist oh, have you it was horrific it was horrific she hit every single thing, yeah. like forcing employers to share profit. I've never heard. Of, have you ever heard a presidential candidate besides Bernie Sanders? Have you ever heard anyone actually say that? I don't. I don't think. Now so. the good news so. is she didn't mean that. That was just an appeal to the Bernie Sanders people that we're going to share the wealth. She's so deeply up inside the intestines of Wall Street that Wall Street knows you can't do that. It's one or the other. We either we either share the wealth and become communists or we don't share the wealth and we're capitalist and you're in with us with Wall Street. And uh, we'll just give you some more, you know, one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollar speeches. She does mean paying for everything, including free college. Oh, yeah. She was the back of the wealthy. Oh, yeah. They don't pay enough. Forty six and fifty and and sixty percent is not enough. What is? And but he can't say he can't help us. With her because he's fine with all that. He's fine with it. So, Pat, there's a lot more that Pat has to say, but yes. that'll be for an unrated version <laughs> of the program. And Stu uh, disagrees. We go there next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Yeah, I thought, first of all, I want to get to Stu's stuff. I thought Lester Holt was great. Um, and Trump did, I guess, too. Well, he's getting yeah. hammered, though, by Trump supporters because... But not well, Trump. He, I mean, Trump said he was, did a great job. Yeah, his supporters are saying he didn't. Lester Holt. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, uh, you know, his, I will say this. He didn't bring up Benghazi. He didn't, yeah. he didn't really push on the email scandal. That's what they're um, off of. Yeah, and, you know, but... He was invisible. The best thing I liked was he was invisible. I thought so. He, he let him let have it out. Them have it out. Yeah, and he let them have a conversation. And all he did was just referee just a little bit. He didn't insert himself except once, but it was a direct dialogue with him, where he was saying, "You supported, I think, the Iraq War." And he's like, "No, I didn't." Yes, well, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Was, uh, yada yada. It was bizarre. bizarre. But he didn't insert himself. He didn't try to correct anyone. I thought he was good. And if you watched it on CNN. They didn't even show him once. It was a split screen. The best way to see this debate, split screen with uh, Trump and Hillary on the screen for 90 minutes. We didn't even they, see Lester Holt. If didn't see CNN. the whole, didn't see anything, just their tight shot the entire time. That's how afraid And if he was, if he started to sniff one more time, I just, <laughs> I, I mean. What was that? I, people told me on uh, Facebook and I heard this morning that he's, he does it all the time. I've never noticed it before. It was really like prominent last night. Yeah. It was almost like, because I use Afrin, 
And so uh, it's almost like sometimes when you use Afrin and your nose starts to run. Mm-hmm. And so he was like having that problem. Jeffy, you use a different substance for your nose. What is yeah. that called again? I do. Um, oh, it, the powder one? Yeah, the yeah, powder. I'm using that. <clears throat> what Snuff. Was it, was it that Snuff. maybe? Or? It, depends on, it depends on what it's cut with from time to time, yeah. what it's mixed right. with. Okay, all right. <laughs> so anyway, um, Stu had a very different take. I watched it as three people last night, just to recap. And I haven't gotten to my opinion. Um, I think that... The millennials uh, connected with the anti-politician, but didn't necessarily connect with him. They were left with nobody. Um, the the average person who's struggling and doesn't it doesn't play politics, just wants an, an answer and this madness to end. I think Donald Trump, because he did the smartest thing I've ever seen. He didn't he didn't blame anything on the Democrats, anything on the Republicans. He blamed it all on politicians and put them all in the same boat. The politicians, by the way, the GOP and all the people who are playing this game, they have no idea. He is fastening the noose around their neck. But anyway, so be it. Um, uh, He blamed it all on politicians. I think that average person actually liked him more than her. Uh, And then I haven't gotten to my opinion yet, but we'll do that later. What happened with you? Uh, it was a, it was kind of a weird debate, um, and I, I no, yeah, it was very strange. You know, CNN said it was clear Hillary Clinton won. Of course, Fox said it was clear the, Donald right, Trump won. Right. So, so there's a couple of in- things that I thought were interesting. One, I, I found it to be very boring, like a really boring debate, and I was trying because it was like to the point of like like uh, my wife who is not like hyper engaged in politics by any means, but she follows it. Yeah was really pumped up to come out and watch the debate, like wanted to watch it from the very beginning. About 15 minutes in, I just looked over her. She was just on her phone, like on Snapchat. <laughs> Tanya, Tanya watched the whole time and listened the whole time, but she was playing Candy Crush the whole time. Right. right. Yeah. And, like, and part of the reason for that is the first half hour was the intricacies of trade policy. Now, that is an issue. Uh, while there is some emotion there, that is not a, you know, top of the, there's a jobs issue that is attached to it. That is a top line issue. But See, what I they were. Disagree. I, I disagree because here, here's, here's why. May I just, may I just course, yeah. hear your point of view on this? Yeah. This is where I think he made an impact because what he was talking about was not trade. He, there was no intricacies of that at all. I still don't have any idea what the hell he's talking about. He's talking about NAFTA and different yeah, but, TPP. Right. And, but, but, but for I mean, the, the most person, part, you know what those things are correct. But for the most part, what he kept saying was China's beating the crap out of us. They're taking our jobs. They're eating our lunch. I'm going to bring those jobs back. I'm going to force these companies to keep their manufacturing here. I'm going to force them to do the things that we all know they should be doing. And I'm going to go get the bad guys in China because they're using us as a piggy bank. That was what people heard. Right. And I think that's generally true. Uh, you know, that seemed like it, that's a you just did it in 30 seconds. It went on for yes. 30 minutes. Yes, I agree. Um, so there wasn't, right. you know, I mean, it was a lot went on there. I mean, it, first of all, it was weird because I think it was a boring lead topic. Um, and I don't think there were a lot of fireworks. I think it was a normal debate. And I think that part of it really helped Trump um, because his job there was to look like he belonged in a presidential debate. And in that particular that first half hour, a, it's the issue he actually cares about out of all of these. Yeah. He cares about it the most. Um, uh, he probably he he can talk about it in a, in an informed way more than a lot of other topics. Yes, I mean more um, than the cyber. 
More than the cyber, uh, yes, considerably what about the more nuclear? than the cyber or the nuclear. Right. Um, and and he, you know, the cyber may not be able to be fixed, but his ten-year-old son knows more about the cyber than anybody else that he it's knows. It's incredible. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, it's also the nuclear the issue. is is important. It's it's powerful. Both, well, the nuclear all, is probably the, is the biggest problem facing America today. The, the nuclear is the biggest problem, and the cyber can't be fixed. Right. So, <laughs> um, it, you know, it is worth pointing out, I think, to our audience that. Uh, they, they spent a half hour on trade policy, mm-hmm. which is the one issue, clear cut, without a doubt, Hillary Clinton is more conservative on. It's not even yes. remotely close. Yes. Donald Trump is to the left of Bernie Sanders on trade. Yes. He is the most left wing trade candidate we have seen in a generation. Oh, no, since no, 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 since a generation, since actual communists were running in the for the presidency. Yeah. You go back to Eugene Debs yeah. to find these sorts of things. You have to go back to the Great Depression to find this. It's incredible that the Republican candidate has these opinions. I just don't think those things, you know, I don't think to the average person that probably doesn't make a difference. So I think that the idea that, I think that's the key, though. I really think that Donald Trump. And this is what I don't hear people talking about. Donald Trump is the, he has managed to somehow or another be the most searing personality. Once you see him, you make an opinion of him, good or bad. You either love him or you hate him. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes. Okay. You see him and he's searing. Yet at the same time, he is the only politician to master I may believe, maybe of all time, master this, I'm you. Remember what I said yesterday about Ted Cruz? My problem with Ted Cruz mainly is me. I, I wanted him to be, to never make a political calculation. Well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Um, he's a politician. He's going to make political calculations. Um, I wouldn't, but that's me. But I think a lot of us put what we want constitutionally into to Ted Cruz. With Donald Trump, he is the unnamed Republican. You know how unnamed Republicans always do well? Mm-hmm. And then once you attach a name, they're like, oh, well, not that guy. This guy and we found this out when we did phone calls here about a month ago on this very topic. People just say, well, I understand him. He's saying this. You have to know how to listen to his language. And everybody is putting their own thing into him. And he is a master at playing that. Yeah. He can say, he can have the most anti-racist people following him and the most racist people following him and they both will tell you, no, you're misunderstanding his language. Now, I don't know if this is intentional or if this is just some sort of nice trick. spooky gift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's interesting. There's a significant amount of people, um, polling shows this over and over again, that voted for the first black president and then are voting the same way as the alt-right is this year. Yeah. That's an incredible kind of thing to see yeah. uh, in just eight years. But, I mean, you know, look, it's about it's not about that but for everybody, obviously. The pendulum also swings. Yep. I mean, the pendulum is everywhere. Look at look how we treated look how we treated our police officers. We treated we treated them as they could do no harm. We wept after 9-11 every time we saw a police officer, even in our own hometown. 
our own hometown where it's like Barney Fife. They haven't seen, they, they don't have a bullet for their gun. <laughs> and we wept when we saw their interview, their, their uniform. Thank you so much. They're, 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 they, they're having coffee at the diner. They haven't busted anybody. They've written a ticket. It's a farm community that nobody's ever done anything wrong. And yet we assigned the heroism of those in New York to them. The pendulum swings. A bad cop, the country for the most part, not all of it, thank God, but a lot of people, including the politicians, are assigning the worst cop attribute of the worst racist cop to all of them. The pendulum swings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle where you should stay, not on the fringes, because it swings. Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, that's very true. These things change quickly, as we've seen. I mean, you know, the Republican Party was you probably would have thought the free trade thing was was foundational to the Republican Party uh, after the Ronald Reagan. For the last 30 years, it's been foundational. And now it's not. Um, so no, to, no, the opposite is. Yeah. Now, the opposite is apparently the policy. A couple other quick things. Um, I think the second half of the debate, she was able to goad him into his worst instincts often, as you kind of pointed out. And I I don't think he did well there. I think that she did very well on the tax thing, which I kind of thought was going to be a nothing issue uh, making, you know, she did the Harry Reid thing, which was, Hey, we don't know what's in there. He could be molesting children on his tax returns. And, And he goes, yeah. I mean, she said, basically she accused him of what Romney was accused of paying no income taxes. And he said, that makes me smart. Uh, when she talked about um, there was, uh, uh, she, he said, uh, well, look, you had to do um, all, all of these things in business. And he's like, well, that's just business. The next way phrase out of her mouth was nine million people lost their jobs. I think a lot of that stuff was probably effective. The good thing for Trump was it happened after the first half hour where a lot of people probably tuned out. Yep. His best half hour was the first half hour. Yep. Um, and, and she is still terrible. So, uh, you know, it's not like she did a, hit a home run. If you put this on a normal presidential debate view, I think like if Mitt Romney turned in the, the, the performance Donald Trump did last night, it would have been a complete disaster. Yes. But Donald Trump has different expectations. He doesn't have to do the things that Mitt Romney had to do in no. those debates. Um, so I think, generally speaking, the fact that it was he had generally to... boring and there was no huge mistakes is probably a good thing. for Everything that you need to know about this debate can be summed up by of what they had to accomplish by his tie and her pantsuit. She had to look strong, like she was healthy and could had the stamina. She needed that red power. Huh. And he needed to look credible and stable, like his blue tie. It seemed like he wanted to come out and be credible and stable early on. And slowly as the yes. debate went on, she was able to, go, to, go to, him. to lure him in to like, those moments. Like that's not really hard. That's not hard with him. No. Well, I felt like that's when he got tired. I felt like yeah, close to the, you know, that last half hour, 40 minutes, he hit a wall. And Hillary yeah, didn't. Hillary got, held up strong. I think he has pent up Oh, yeah. He's just oh, yeah. He's just volatile. So when he yeah. got tired, I mean, when he, he falls said back at the too. end. Temperament is my best. Oh, temperament. I couldn't believe that. It's his strongest attribute. If that's his strongest attribute, (laughs) we're in deep trouble. I I think even Hillary's first response He's delusional if he thinks that's his best attribute. No no, Um, no doubt about it. So let me give you this one quick thing on just scientific polling. Uh, CNN takes a poll after every debate and has since 1984. So this goes back quite a long ways. Um, The biggest blowout in history was in 19 there's a tie 1992 the second debate clinton over bush 58 to 16 
That was one. Holy no, cow. No, that was one with Ross Perot in there, too. So it's a little bit weird, but still a 42-point victory. Yeah. The other one that's tied for number one all time was the first debate between Romney and Obama. Romney, 67 to 25. Wow. Now, again, wow. 67 to 25 for the Republican. Um, so, you know, you might say, well, it's a CNN poll. But, I mean, when Romney destroyed, it's a scientific poll. When Romney destroyed, uh, you know, uh, Obama, it was reflected in this poll. And these polls, especially with big blowouts like this, have tended to move the real polls. The third largest uh, debate, uh, just, you know, destruction in history was uh, last night in this poll. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, 62, Trump, 27. You're kidding me. Really? I didn't take that. I did not, I did I not see that. At all. I didn't think wow. it was that bad. But that is oh, really wow. interesting. And re- I mean, it's the third largest of all the debates since 1984. And according That's to... That's hard to believe. That is interesting. So I want to tell you what wow. my thoughts were. I told you what I thought the American people, but apparently, at least according to this poll, can you look for other polls? At least according to this poll, I was wrong. On that, let me tell you what I thought of, and I want to get back to something that both you and Pat talked about, which was his tax thing coming up in just a minute. Um, and now this: if you want to keep your family and your uh, property safe, and you want to be in control of your family's protection, see, this is this is where this is where the politicians on both sides of the aisle don't get it. Politicians. They believe that they can be in control of everything and they can design it and they can control it. Where, especially millennials, anybody who's coming up with this, with this, in this, the cyber time, um, you know that you can be in control of absolutely everything. Security is the same way. Simply Safe will help you get the best protection. Um, it's easy to use, completely wireless. You own the system. It has glass break, entry, motion sensors. Monthly monitoring is $14.99 a month. No long-term contract. Your, your kid's going to school. You're going to college. Put Simply Safe in your dorm room. Protect your home the smart way. SimplySafeBeck.com. SimplySafeBeck.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck program. Let me talk a little bit about, um, uh, you know how there are people who say, I just want the whole thing burned down. And I disagree with that. Uh, that's revolutionary thinking and revolutions are not good. Um, we've not had one in America except for 1776. Uh, that one took, uh, till 1787. One. Uh, and uh, it didn't. It 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 it, uh, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. Actually, it was the treaty was signed in eighty three, but the war kind of ended in eighty. So I want to I want to talk to you about um, the burning down of the system, uh, but I also I want you to hear Pat's absolutely amazing theory that I I believe explains this election perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. We'll do that next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. We have a lot to talk about on the debate. What is our cereal this half hour? Pat, you know? Uh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Let me think. Wow, you're that excited. Let me it. think. Well, yeah, I'm working on... on <laughs> We're already a different about three cereals ahead. Yeah. Natasha, what's our cereal on today? We begin. Gun. Oh, it's on gun, gun control. Gun. Right. Oh, that's right. perfect, especially for the debate last night. Uh, cereal on the uh, Second Amendment and gun control. That's coming up in just about a half hour. Also, uh, more on the uh, debate, our, our continued thoughts on that. A lot to talk about there. But Pat came in today with, I think, the best observation um, of what... Pat? Yeah. Hard of what that. is happening uh, and how this has all come down um, it, with, with Donald Trump. And what is the model? What is the historic model here? And how does it all end? He brought it home today, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that is the best comparison I have ever heard. And it explains is, why it's working. There's no, no way, way to fulfill this now. There's no oh, yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? No, it does. Yeah, it does. It does. Why it's working and, uh, and, and what you are going to see in the future. And we begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So, everyone says this is an anomaly. Donald Trump is an anomaly. Never happened before. Mm -hmm. Yada, yada, yada. Yes, it has. Just not in politics. But it has happened in our lifetime in a very, very um, visual in your face, everybody watched it, witnessed it, sort of way. Listen to this. And we just never thought of it. At least I haven't heard anybody talk about this. It kind of hit me as I was, it's kind of a, uh, a strange, circuitous way I got to this. But I was just looking at the at the ratings for uh, Sirius XM and, you know, trying to find out. I, I listen to the 70s on 7 all the time. and. <laughs> It's uh, Let's get to the point. It's number four, but Howard Stern was number one. So I'm thinking about that as I'm as I'm coming into work today and thinking about how Trump had mentioned him last night, and then it hit me. H- Howard Stern, when he goes into markets, he started in New York, and then he goes into Washington D.C., and then he goes into Philadelphia, and every time he does that, now, this is in a time when radio. This is before XM Sirius. This is yeah. This, this is radio. before massive syndication. Right. Uh, and and there's, it, there's no syndicated shows at this time. And everyone said when he was in Washington D.C., it was it won't, it won't work. It won't work here. It's unique. Um, it's a flash in the pan. He's he's a, a one hit wonder. Yeah. And when he moved from Washington D.C., he went to New York, and it worked again. He starts syndication. And so he goes to Philadelphia, and the number one show for, for I think, a decade or more was well, more John, John DeBella. Yeah. He'd been number one in Philadelphia for as long as anybody could remember. And everybody loved, loved He was Mr. Philadelphia. Yeah, everybody listened to him. Everybody loved him. And, and there was a graveyard of people with millions of dollars in promotion behind them. That tried graveyard, to just DeBella. bodies filled with people who tried to take on John DeBella tried everything, and it never worked. Howard Stern came in and took on John DeBella immediately, focused on him every day. 
started talking about him, started repositioning, put his wife on the air, his ex-wife, uh, you know, she told secrets about him. He, he became he became this laughing stock after a while. He completely yeah. repositioned John DeBella. John DeBella wound up, I think, getting fired later on. Uh, Stern went to number one in Philadelphia. He went into Rochester. Wait, wait, wait. So bad. That, he, was just, he was so bad in, in Philadelphia that, if I'm not mistaken, John DeBella's ex-wife committed suicide. Committed suicide. suicide. Okay. Yeah. He, because, and, and you don't, you can't ever prove that. No, you can't, you can't blame that on Stern. Stern was, yeah, you can't blame that on Stern. But, but the humiliation factor was there. Was so strong in, in this, and he destroyed the, any semblance of, of uh, normalcy for John DeBella and his family. Yeah. He completely repositioned him within a year. It was over. And Stern was number one from right. then on. And DeBella was nowhere to be found. Uh, he went into Rochester, New York, where they had Brother Wheeze, and he had like he had shares in the teens and twenties yeah. at yeah. one point. The he guy was, was so you know a legend. Yeah, in brother Rochester. Brother Wheeze was everyone knew Brother Wheeze. Everybody loved Brother Wheeze. Brother Wheeze was a guy on the rock station, so he was really cool. Um, he was very charitable. Um, he had a child who was handicapped. He would tell the story. He, Everybody loved Brother Wheeze. And Stern made fun of all that. Yeah, Stern took it. Took him into an old guy. He's, a, he's tired. He's, you know, he's took on has his, been. Took, took on, on his, his handicapped child. Took on his handicapped child uh, and destroyed Brother Wheeze. Okay. Became and number one in Rochester. In both of those, in both of those scenarios, everybody in the market will get into what their strategy was. But everybody in the market said, this won't work. You can't take him on like that. Yeah. You can't do those things. And then when he would take on the handicapped child or he would take on the wife and the wife would kill herself, everybody would say, this is going to backfire. And it never did. It only made Howard Stern stronger. much stronger. Stronger and cooler and yep. hipper. Yep. Well, then he went into probably the toughest market of all. He went into Los Angeles in like 94, 95. And nobody thought Howard Stern could possibly work in Los Angeles. Completely different attitude, completely different mindset, completely different audience. They, it's a, they don't California's laid back. It's not like New York. That, that attitude is not going to work there. Plus, Mark and Brian were by far number one. And they were the Angeles. coolest so hip and so, so funny, cool. so just, I mean, so innovative. They were absolutely brilliant yeah. and cha- had totally changed the landscape of morning radio. Totally doing something completely yeah. different. And everybody not only liked them, these guys were not old. They were really hip and cool. Early to mid-30s, young guys, and they, t- they took the old zoo format and completely turned Heard it, it upside down and, and made made morning radio really cool again yeah and but on a rock station so yes. they weren't they weren't bubblegum they were on a rock station each time he went in taking down the number one guy because he was on a rock station they were on the rock station so this wasn't top 40 bubblegum stuff these were the cool people in the town that he was taking apart and stern never bothered with anybody else he only took on the top person he didn't he didn't bother with I'm going to get number 10, and then I'm going to work my way. He always went for the top morning show in any given market. So he repositioned Mark and Brian. 
from from funny and hip and cool to stupid and lame and sissies and they were too nice and so he repositioned nice into wuss cakes and homosexuals and homosexuals he made them out to be gay and he played old clips of their tv show which didn't work out well the tv show what the adventures of mark and brian and remember that yeah it was on nbc it was not a good show because they were radio guys and and it It was just radio stunts on on nbc and it just didn't work but he repositioned them completely they went from number one in los angeles to number 11 in a very short i think it was like six months Nobody thought it could happen. Stern went from from nowhere to number one. Mark and Brian didn't just go to number two. They went to number 11. They went from a nine share to a three six in less than a year. And they were never the same again. They never recovered from that. So now tie this to the election. So Donald Trump is the Howard Stern of politics. Yep. Donald Trump takes on every challenger Everybody who comes near him, his next closest competitor, he repositions. It's lying Ted. It's little Marco. It's uh, crooked Hillary. It's crooked Hillary. It's it's it is it is the Howard Stern Act. And it hit me that here they are, good friends. Trump has been on the show multiple times. I mean, the guy was on the show all the time. He's a and huge he fan. lives the lifestyle of Howard Stern, which yep. also explains how, you know, Joe Lunchbucket <laughs> sitting there on the bar stool, he's just saying the same thing. Well, yeah, he's, he's speaking to the Howard Stern fan, okay? Mm-hmm. He's speaking to that same mentality that, that is just the guy who's just sitting at the bar stool. And that's the way he talks. This he is the Howard Stern of politics. He learned his lessons, I think, directly from Stern. Yes. And he thought, wow, that is a winning formula. And it is. And he's used it in politics so effectively. And I, I, never I have been saying that I have been saying that Roger Ailes is the guy who's going to get uh, Donald Trump elected. But I think Howard Stern is actually going to be responsible for getting him elected. Not that Howard is doing anything behind the scenes or anything like that. I don't or even. Or that know it was it, even intentional. Oh, it wasn't even intentional. But he is using the Howard Stern model, and everyone who is fighting against him, they don't realize that the old model is over. Right. And so every single person, Weeze, uh, what's his name in Chicago, or I mean in uh, in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, uh, yeah, Debella. And Mark and Brian, they all did the same thing. Ignore him, ignore him, ignore him. He'll go away. And then when he would say more Mark and more... Mark and Brian I'll... never once mentioned his name. Yeah. And, never mentioned and, it. And as it, went, as it went along the road, uh, every time that they would do something outrageous, he's calling Mark and Brian homosexuals. That, that should not fly in Los Angeles. That should not fly in Los not with, Angeles. Not with fans of theirs. Right. And not, not just not with the, the, the California mindset. Yeah. You're going to start calling people gay? Okay. Then uh, you don't take on somebody's handicapped child. You don't take on somebody's family, their wife, and get in the middle of a and divorce. Look at, he mocked a handicapped guy during the campaign. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. In fact, it all makes him stronger. That's incredible. That's incredible. So... The American people, you're making your own choice. You're, you're, you know, the American people, what the American people are doing is making their own choice. And they will decide which one is going to be president or not.
Um, uh, and it is the parties that are going to lose. It's the parties that are going to lose. They don't realize that uh, Donald Trump last night showed them the noose that is going around all of their necks. Remember, he is burning everything down. And, and here's an example of it. Can you imagine a time in American history where someone could say, yeah, I'm worth $640 million, and I know that doesn't sound like very much. What? <laughs> $640 million, that sounds like a lot to me. Ten minutes later, it's $650 million. Not $640, ten min- not even ten minutes. Within ten minutes, it was $650 million that he was worth. Okay? But that's not the point. He then said, I use bankruptcy as a tool. Not as a last resort. Not as, hey, it's shameful. It's, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs. It was really hard. It was the most embarrassing. I use that as a tool. You don't like it? Don't, don't make that law. Change the laws. I use everything at my disposal. The reason why he's not showing income tax is because his income tax is because it shows he paid no income tax. Which he seemed now, to honestly admit last Right. So you have everybody else ran from that. What did he say? That makes me smart. What is Joe Lunchbucket saying? The parties are saying, oh, you can't say that. Don't, don't, don't even do it. He's saying it. And what is the average person saying? Damn right, I wish I could get away with that. If I could get away with it, it's the burning of the system. If I can get away with it, I'm going to do it. I admire him because he's getting away with it. It's the Tony Soprano looking at Tony Soprano and saying, ah, Tony Soprano, what a life. Hey, you know, he's not that bad of a guy. Uh-huh. No, no. Guy's a killer. Guy's a killer. But we are looking now at the burning down of the system. And so he did not say the Republicans or the Democrats, the progressives or the conservatives. He put everyone into the same bucket, which is what America is doing. Politicians. Politicians, bad us good he's putting the rope around every politician's neck yeah and the thing i couldn't understand last night was how conservatives are okay with him and he's done this every single debate they're completely okay apparently with him declaring bankruptcy four times and making that into a positive thing they let him get away with that every single time business right every time business it's It's business. business And, and, and I'm just using the system. And what he said on taxes, what he said on taxes was abhorrent and absolutely right. Abhorrent. I didn't pay any taxes. That makes me a genius. Come on, man. That's, you know that's not right. But genius. And even if I did pay it, you'd squander it anyway. I sat in my living room and went, damn right. Okay? <laughs> the yeah. burning down of the entire system. Yeah. The worst leading us to the worst. And now this. Last time you purchased a mattress, you were also paying for the showroom, you were paying for the commission, you were paying for the distributor's profit, you were paying for the delivery truck, the setup, you were paying for the insurance on the building of the showroom. You paid for all of that. Casper sells directly to you, so you don't pay any of it. Do you know, once you cut the middleman out, how much you can buy a mattress for? Everything is changing. You're going to get the most comfortable mattress you've ever slept on. It'll cost you much 
much, much less than the mattress you just bought years ago. Casper was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee you sleep in, in cool and comfortable, uh, a cool and comfortable bed. All the support that you need. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015, and they are a massive disruptor of this industry. Casper Mattress ships free. It's delivered in a small, how did they get that mattress in that box kind of box. And, um, and you open it up, you try it for 100 nights, you don't like it, they come and pick it up and they give you every dime back. Try one in your home for 100 nights, risk-free. They'll pick it up, refund everything if you don't like it. Go to Casper.com, use the promo code BECK, get $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. Casper.com, offer code BECK. Get $50 off right now. Casper.com, offer code BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I will tell you one of the things we, we have our uh, our gun control serial starting uh, four episodes of gun control. What it means, why the Second Amendment was written, how to defend it, uh, who's trying to take it apart, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Was anybody else? I mean, uh, I haven't seen anything from the NRA coming out and clarifying their stance, um, but I know their stance used to be vehemently against. Um, anybody losing their uh, Second Amendment rights? Because yeah, I can't imagine them saying, list. "Yeah, we're behind that." Take away their Second Amendment right, even if they're suspected of something. No way. No. No way. Don't do that in America. You cannot take away someone's constitutional rights because somebody said, you know what, that name, it's a lot like that name. We should put him on the list. But yet there's there's another thing on which he and Hillary Agree. agree. And that is, look, they're not going to come for your guns the way you think they're going to come for your guns. There are too many guns in America. There are like 330 million guns in America. It can't be obvious. It can't be obvious. What they'll do is they'll whittle them away. They will say, hey, sign this paper. You have PTSD. Then they will say anyone with any kind of mental illness won't be able to get their guns. That wipes out a lot of the people in the military. Then they'll say anybody who is on a no-fly list, because we're only talking about terrorists. Oh, my gosh. We don't know what's happened, but this no-fly list has ballooned. Then there'll be something else. It will, it's progressive. They'll do it every step of the way in little teeny chunks. That's like, the way they do it. If you have someone with mental illness in your household. In your household. Look at, what was it, Adam Lanza was the guy, wasn't he the New Testament yes. guy? And he, yes. he, he had his mother, it was his mother's guns. Yes. And she was totally fine. Right. But he had mental Somebody illness. in the household. So, well, everybody, everybody in, within the sound of my voice either has or has had a friend, a very good friend or family member who has had a child that has gone in for counseling, has gone, or you have gone in for counseling. Well, now you're on a, now you're on a no gun list. Now you have to have your guns taken away because you're getting counseling. That's the way this is going to happen. It's not going to come the way it's, they're not going to come with the black um, uniforms and the red armbands. You're expecting it that way. They're going to come through 
reasonable things like, if you're a suspected terrorist, well, wait a minute, but that's not who's only on the no-fly list. And getting your name off that list is damn near impossible. And when do we take constitutional rights away without a hearing, a warrant, a trial? Never, never. Gun control, how to really protect it. Our four-part serial begins next. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Many, if not all, progressive politicians want to infringe on your constitutional right that specifically declares shall not be infringed. Often these progressives are opposed to the Second Amendment, and they don't even seem to really know why. What's a barrel shroud and why should we regulate? I actually don't know what a barrel oh, shroud okay, is. Because it's in your legislation. It's a shoulder thing that goes up. No. This right here has ability with a 30 caliber clip to disperse with 30 bullets within half a second. 30 magazine clip in half a second. For most purposes, having these 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 um, these magazine um, uh, clips that have that have more than 15 rounds in them, there's really no purpose for those except for shooting targets or shooting people. Pistols are different. You have to pull the trigger each time. An assault weapon, you basically hold it, goes... You can certainly use this for hunting, but some of these bullets, as you saw, have an incendiary device on the tip of it, which is a heat-seeking device. So you don't shoot deer with a bullet that size. If you do, you could cook it at the same time. The Second Amendment is not about hunting. Currently, heat-seeking bullets don't exist, although DARPA is developing them. And hunting is a nice byproduct of gun ownership for many. But it is not what the American Founding Fathers had in mind when they wrote the Constitution. We have federal regulations and state laws that prohibit hunting ducks with more than three rounds. And yet, it's legal to hunt humans. Another surprise to Dianne Feinstein and others. It actually isn't legal to hunt humans in any state in the Union, including North and South Dakota. Ammunition. They're bullets. So the people who have those now, they're going to shoot them. And so if you ban, if you ban them in the future, the number of these high-capacity magazines is going to decrease dramatically over time because the bullets will have been shot and there won't be any more available. It's hard to believe the ignorance surrounding this issue. Hunting, weapons Americans could or could not use to bring down a deer, size of magazines. None of these are the point of the Second Amendment to the Constitution. So what is it that our founders intended? Well, let's start with the actual language. What does the Second Amendment actually say? A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. 
All right, that sounds pretty clear. Guns are necessary to the security of a free state, and the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not one word about hunting deer, elk, or anything else. The American founders had studied thousands of years' worth of the best knowledge mankind had to offer, and they used that knowledge to craft the Constitution. The framers of the Bill of Rights believed in God. They fought for the freedom from religious persecution. They believed the right to self-defense is a fundamental God-given right that existed long before the creation of any government. In fact, written documents pertaining to self-preservation predate the Second Amendment by thousands of years. Reference to the right to freedom from violent harm and the right to self-defense is found in the Torah and Christian Bible in Exodus 22, verse 2. In Jewish law, the Talmud states, If someone comes to kill you, arise quickly and kill him. Roman Catholic doctrine has long asserted, Someone who defends his life is not guilty of murder even if he is forced to deal his aggressor a lethal blow. Protestant theologian Samuel Rutherford writes in his 1644 publication Lex Rex, Because no king or civil power can take away nature's birthright of self-defense from any man or a community of men. Even the Declaration of Independence, written 15 years before the Second Amendment was ratified, clearly states, All human beings are endowed with certain unalienable rights, and that governments are created to protect those rights. Historian and educator David Barton further discusses the Founders' intent. In the case of the Second Amendment, the Founding Fathers didn't call it the right to keep and bear arms the way it's written. They called it the biblical right of self-defense. So the ultimate goal of the Second Amendment is to make sure you can defend yourself against any kind of illegal force that comes against you, whether that's from a neighbor, whether that's from an outsider, or whether that's from your own government. And in the case of the American Revolution, if the Founding Fathers had not been able to take on that illegal British government coming so for them, it's not a matter of, oh, you got too many, you got too many um, bullets in, in your magazine. It's now whatever the government's got, we've got to have the same thing, because if they've got an AK-47 to come through and we've only got a BB gun on the inside, this is not a deterrent. So the whole purpose of the Second Amendment is to make sure that you have equal power with whatever comes against you illegally. So at that point, that's got to control the gun control debate. The thought process of so many today seems to be that the government has weaponry that's just too great, and so it's futile for people to be armed. But the fact is, with so many armed citizens in the country, there are up to 300 million firearms in the hands of the people. It would be incredibly difficult for the government or any invading force to suppress this people. In fact, in every single plan by the former Soviet Union to invade the United States of America, not one included crossing the border into Texas. Why? Because they knew Texans were well-armed. Another point often made by progressives is the well-regulated militia in the Second Amendment. That's the National Guard, right? It isn't. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The Second Amendment refers to a well-regulated militia. 
The right of the people to form citizen militias was unquestioned by the founders. Alexander Hamilton, in the Federalist Papers number 28, expressed, When a government betrays the people by amassing too much power and becoming tyrannical, the people have no choice but to exercise their original right of self-defense, to fight the government. In the Federalist Papers number 46, James Madison, the father of the Bill of Rights, argues, The ultimate authority resides in the people, and that if the federal government got too powerful and overstepped its authority, then the people would develop plans of resistance and resort to arms. Some interpret today's National Guard as the well-regulated militia, but the founders opposed anything but a small national military. There are some people that think that that phrase in the Second Amendment has an entirely different meaning. The phrase, well-regulated, refers to a well-trained, prepared, and disciplined citizen's militia. They seem to think that it means just the state National Guard, and they don't know their history. That's just not true. The phrase was in common use in 1791 and for more than a century afterwards. The Oxford English Dictionary from that time period defines well-regulated as something that was calibrated correctly, functioning as expected. That also explains another very common argument by the anti-Second Amendment crowd. They claim the phrase well-regulated gives the government the right to attach all kinds of regulations on gun ownership. That just isn't what was meant by the founders. As explained, at the time, it was meant as well-trained and prepared. Americans today don't like to hear that the Second Amendment was written for personal protection. But more than anything else, it was put there for American citizens' protection against a tyrannical government. No one ever wants to believe that it would ever become necessary for Americans to take up arms against its own government. And hopefully, we never ever will. But because of their own experiences with tyranny, they provided the means by which the people could, as a very last resort, do what they had done. Americans continually hear about nations who have confiscated guns and have very severe gun laws. In particular, Great Britain and Australia are often mentioned. So how is that worked out for them? We throw one on the Barbie in the next episode. Glenn Beck. Truly, truly remarkable um, when you actually know the uh, history. And <clears throat> the, this later this week, uh, as we go through the serial, you will see tomorrow we begin with uh, Great Britain and Australia. It doesn't work. It absolutely doesn't work. And all of the facts are on your side if you're trying to defend the Second Amendment. It's a spectacular failure. It sure is. In, yeah. in both Britain and Australia. And it's, it, those are the two that are always... Yeah, those are the two that Hillary Barack Clinton... Barack Obama. Yeah, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton now for the next four years, if she becomes president, mm-hmm. is going to use that. You better know the facts. Yeah. Um, and, and last night, I mean, um, I'm sure the NRA is thinking, well, there's no way to win on this because we don't want Hillary Clinton, so let's not say anything about right. Donald Trump. Uh, but Donald Trump was wrong on this issue last night. 180 degrees out of step with the NRA. And the, at least the NRA that I know, 
Yeah, I hope uh, that's is, true. Is, well, no, they always have been. They are not for taking people's guns if, you're just, if your name is just placed on a list. There's two. You cannot take away a constitutional right with just somebody saying, you know what, put uh, Jeffy on that list. There's too many mistakes. Too many mistakes. Yes, People the with the same names. Uh, right. It happens you know, all the time. All and, kinds of misunderstandings. And there's no way to get your name off the list. Yeah. You have to prove yourself innocent. That's not the way America works. You take away rights when we prove that you are guilty. Or we have enough evidence to get a judge to then issue a warrant, just not some group of people that we don't even know who they are just issuing a list. Even then, you still have some due process yes, available due process. to you. You have to have I mean, due process. Just because you've been accused of something and, and there is a trial coming doesn't mean you can still take away the rights. No. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, it's we're, remarkable what's happening. We're, we're not the same country not that, even that we were No, just a few years ago. Even. No, I don't know if we were, though. I, mean, I don't know if we were. We I mean, were better I think, than this. I think we have been. We have been guarding. Um, we've been. We've. We've taken offense and we've put it around the Constitution, and we've all been saying we're guarding the Constitution, guarding the Constitution, guarding the Constitution. We didn't realize that the fence is gone and the Constitution is already gone, and we're not really guarding the Constitution. We should be guarding the idea of what that Constitution was protecting. But we don't even know what that idea is anymore. We, we were ta- all we're guarding is the protection me- uh, mechanism of what was guarding the most valuable thing we all had. But nobody's even talking about that valuable thing, the idea. Nobody's talking about that. Mm-hmm. We've lost it a long, long time ago. Last night, I think Donald Trump is going to look like a, um, uh, he's going to look like a prophet um, uh, in some regards because he doesn't think that debt is bad. And uh, um, he has also said, as he said last night, which I thought was horrifying, in business, hey, that's just good business when, you know, the economy collapses. And uh, I think that's good business because then I can go in and buy stuff cheap. Holy cow. But he did say last night that we're in a bubble and he's right. His solution uh, between tariffs uh, and um, and repatriating five trillion dollars in cash really make it worse. Oh my gosh! <sighs> anyway, um, Telegraph newspaper in England um, heard this. Um, Angela Merkel says she does not favor bailing out Deutsche Bank if it goes under. Quote. If the German government doesn't stand behind the bank, other banks are going to start feeling very nervous. As we know from 2008, one confidence starts to evaporate. A, a, a bank um, is in big, big trouble. In fact, Deutsche, if it goes down, it is looking increasingly likely that it will take Merkel with it and quite possibly the euro as well. As the dominoes fall, if Deutsche Bank falls, fails, they're now saying that it will take down the euro. Uh, and it will, but it will fall all over the world, uh, especially the West, and it will fall here. Are you prepared? You saw last night, if you watched the debates, neither of them, neither of them are going to avoid it because they can't. Neither, neither one of them are offering solutions, and I don't even think, I don't think the best person could offer solutions for us not to feel the ramifications of what we've done for the last 20 years. But we're going to face these tough times, and I think they're going to make it worse. 
when this happens, please have gold. Please call Goldline now, 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Call them now. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be nitro. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. So it's quite interesting, um... Shocking, I thought, shocking, CNN had a, a poll out, and they've been doing this since 84, and they showed Mitt Romney winning against Barack Obama in the first debate. Yep, 67 to 25. Was that the biggest blowout? Biggest blowout ever. Uh, tied with the second Clinton-Bush-Perot one, where Clinton won 58 to 16. Okay, and Oof. both of those, I remember both of those, and that, that's accurate. Oof, yeah. Um, CNN's poll from last night showed that it was the third biggest blowout of all time with Hillary Clinton on top. I'm surprised by that. Another poll has just come out, shows that Clinton won by 12 points. More on the debate next. The Glenn Beck Program. Holy cow. Out in front of Hofstra uh, Hofstra yesterday, in front of the the debate, in the lobby, there was a little sandwich board with a sign that says, Trigger warning. The event just beyond this sign may contain triggering and or sensitive material. Sexual violence, sexual assault, and abuse are some of the topics mentioned within this event. If you feel triggered, please know there are resources to support you. And then it it, um, it it's the golly. student counseling services, oh. uh, a crisis counselor and a public safety director, the student advocacy and prevention center, the uh, Title IX coordinator, and the National <laughs> Sexual Assault Hotline. So the women's sports... Uh, yeah. It's all under... They put everything under is, that. I, I know. Isn't that weird? Everything yeah, goes oh under Oh, no. What a line. surprise. The government, you open one, one little crack. It's amazing. And they walk in and they put everything underneath it. Who would have seen that coming? Oh. Oh, everybody. Well, I don't know. Yeah, everybody. Other than everybody. Yeah. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, I want to talk to the uh, millennials. I want to talk to the kids. I want to talk to anybody who might be drinking and might be in an alcoholic situation right now. I want you to know, if you're in an alcoholic situation right now, you're in the throes of it. Keep going, brother. Just keep going. 
Um, you've got those good blackouts that are helping you get through the day. I understand it. Now, <laughs> if you haven't gotten there yet, you might want to consider holding back because you might need those blackouts at some point. And for those who haven't started drinking uh, and are young, wait. I made the mistake of becoming an alcoholic with deep blackouts, and I didn't need them. It was when the world was still pretty good, and I didn't need them. And what I would have given last night for a blackout, to be able to wake up this morning and have zero recollection of the debate last night, I'd give my right arm. What Glenn Beck just said was political satire and shouldn't be construed as actual advice. No, it, no. Please don't sue us, anyone who may be going through alcoholism right now. No, that's, no, that's actual advice, I think. Please, what Glenn Beck just said is an actual <laughs> lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a Holy cow. Now. Holy yeah. cow. Well, it's a trigger warning. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have suffered through the hands of somebody who has alcoholic views. Like, like, oh my gosh, my mom, I'm, all of a sudden I've been triggered into something. Oh my gosh, oh, can yeah. I sue me? I need to sue me. Is there a counselor on hand? I got to sue this company. We don't even have a trigger counselor on hand. Mm-hmm. Oh no! What about Title IX? Does that cover me? Uh, no. Anyway, um, that off the bottom of that. The sentence. only thing uh, I mean, I, I met. Uh, uh, I, I, or I uh, listened to uh, Matt Walsh's uh, comments last night, right after the debate, and he, he said, you know, uh, his hope was gone and his uh, bourbon bottles were empty. And I thought to myself, boy, that w- I would have enjoyed that last night if I was drinking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, did anybody, like that first debate with, with uh, Mitt Romney, where he was, he was not condescending. He was just so buttoned up and so laser focused and just took Barack Obama apart. It was so satisfying. Was anybody satisfied last night? Oh, I, well, I would imagine Trump supporters were because wait, 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 satisfied. Yeah, yeah, wait, they're wait, always wait, satisfied wait. with whatever he does. They're completely content. Okay, it so doesn't wait, wait, matter wait, what he said or does. Second. Wait, because I think there's lots of Trump supporters. I think that is a yes. very broad thing. Well, so, the hardcore, the hardcore doesn't matter what he Trump, says. Doesn't matter yes. those people. No matter right. what I mean, you I say, think, no I think, logic can penetrate. Right. I think what he said about, um, you know, all the socialist programs and especially about, you know, the Second Amendment was horrifying. Yeah. If I hear one more, one more person writes to me about how I just hate the Second Amendment and I won't get on the Trump train because I just hate the Second Amendment. I just I'm just going to I'm just going to post the clip last night where he's saying, "I'm, yeah, I'm, abs- I'm with you, Hillary, on the, on the, on the no fly list, no fly list, and the Are watch you list." Kidding me? Oh my god! Not to mention even stop and frisk is something. Stop and frisk as controversial to a lot of Second Amendment supporters. I, I, mean, I, I cannot find the constitutionality in stop and frisk. I can understand why you would want to do it, yeah. but I cannot find anything constitutional about that because i mean the search and seizure is is an issue the right. the second amendment is an issue uh there's no due process obviously i mean i i think there's a you're not necessarily doing anything you're not arresting the people i mean i think there's an argument and a lot of conservatives have made it smart conservatives have made the arguments for stop and frisk but it's 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 a controversial issue at least yes. for, for the second amendment yes. and then the the no fly zone really isn't I mean, to, there's to, no controversy there. It's just a, absolutely wrong. And I think, as you pointed out to Joe Lunchbucket, as we were kind of talking <laughs> about this mythical person, 
I think that the stop the terrorist no fly list thing actually sounds pretty good to them. You see, oh well, I mean, you know, look, I don't want to. I'm not going to be on the terrorist list, right? Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, think about what what's happening here. You're taking someone with no ac- not even no conviction of a crime, but no accusation of a crime. No idea no, no. until no idea that you're on it until you go to the airport. It's just it's just all of a sudden somebody has put your name in or a name like yours. Ted Kennedy. It took Senator Ted Kennedy six months to get his name off the no-fly list. And Trump tried to address that last night yeah. by saying, look, we know if you have a problem, we'll work with you, try to get you off as fast as oh, possible. Oh, I know. That's, Which, the government is always good at that. Again, that's a great point. I mean, it's like only a person <clears throat> who has never dealt with the government thinks that that's a realistic thing. Yeah. And obviously Trump has and knows it's not a realistic thing. If you've got hundreds of thousands of people on the no-fly list... They try to purchase guns. You're not going to be able to work with them individually to get that off. It's going to take months and months and months. It's bureaucracy. So you, Pat, because I've never heard you. I don't think I've heard this vitriol for President Obama. Would you agree with that, Jeffy? We came in this morning. You, I, no, I, no, 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 no. It's just been a while. I spent a lot of time. Maybe I mean, you heard it. Uh, uh, our she's, I think of she's Obama. A, she's a bigger right now because she's trying to appeal to the Sanders crowd. Yeah. I think she's a bigger Marxist than Barack Obama. Well, she's a bigger spoken Marxist, but I don't know if she is a bigger Marxist because a Marxist couldn't be that in bed with Wall Street. She's got to be saying the opposite to Wall Street, because if you said, I've never heard a presidential candidate. I mean, yes, I've heard presidential candidates when the third party make these kind of cases, but I've never heard a mainstream two party presidential candidate say we have to tell our corporations that they have to start sharing the wealth. Sharing the profits. That's I mean, that's I, what what is that? They've been wow. for higher business taxes forever. Right. I mean, no, I, no, 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 no. That's not what she was talking about. She's talking about businesses being forced to, to give the wealth, share the, the wealth with into the company with the employees. Employees, yeah, yeah. I mean that's communism. You can't force a business <laughs> it's to only do fair that. for companies. If they want to do that. That's part of capitalism. Your, yeah. your employees are going to be happier. They're going to work better. They're going to be more productive. Yeah, it's good. But that I mean, it's good not if to you force. Do that, but you can't force them into it. Yeah, that's not I, a function of government. So, but here's the problem. She look, the minute Wall Street. The minute you start to see the, the um, polls change to where it's 50-50, you're going to see a couple of things. You're going to see our allies starting to get very, very shifty. The allies are going to start freaking out just a little bit, and the world is going to start teetering um, because our enemies are also going to say, oh, my gosh, now is the time. Hmm. Donald Trump is not an agent of change. He is an agent of chaos. Hillary Clinton is an agent of change. It's just not a change we want. Um, and But she is stability. She will ride this thing down to the ground and she will rape it all the way along. Okay? Um, you're going to see two things. Right now, Wall Street really does not believe that Donald Trump is going to be the president of the United States. They don't believe it. And the closer he gets to being the president of the United States, the more unstable Wall Street is going to get. Now, the bubble is going to burst at some point. It's going to burst. Um, And we are headed for trouble beyond your wildest imaginations. Um, Which one of them is going to say no to a national bank? Neither of them. They both are for a national bank. 
Um, which one of them is going to say no to bailouts or bail-ins? Neither of them. Donald Trump was for bigger bailouts um, and bigger stimulus packages than Hillary was. They're both for it. So they're, one is going to be lean us towards internationalism, and the other one is going to lean us directly into national socialism. So national socialism, international socialism. That's what you have coming. Those are your two choices. Um, uh, and you're going to see that Wall Street is not going to take kindly to the idea of Donald Trump if the polls change. You won't know this until he wins or unless the polls really change and it becomes very clear he's going to win. Well, the uh, absolute scientific poll at glenbeck.com, who won the <laughs> debate, uh, 68% said Donald Trump. Okay. I believe Donald Trump won every online debate and Hillary Clinton won every online poll and <laughs> Hillary won every scientific poll, yeah. um, which is, uh, I don't wow. know, interesting. I, uh, but Donald Trump actually came out with a really big compliment of Hillary today, I thought, because today he tweeted, Hillary has been failing for 30 years in not getting the job done. So if he's failing, she's failing in not, <laughs> not getting, getting the, the job, job done, done, that means he's actually, she's succeeded. actually succeeding in getting the, in job, getting done the job done for mm. 30 years. So that why is did he, a nice compliment. Why did he support her for 26 out of those 30 years? That's a good question. Well, she says right here he's, really she was failing question. on really not getting the job done. So that right. Okay, so he was supporting okay. in getting the right. job done. That's why he supported See, her all that double day. double negative. Did you also hear that uh, she has been fighting ISIS her whole adult life? Yes, yes. We, we had that clip. That, that's a, I mean, ISIS has been around for four years. I don't... <laughs> Is she uh, she's strangely a really bad-looking 22-year-old. <laughs> so I looked at her last night. And I went, I sh- that woman is not 22. Speaking of no, ISIS, she is not. And and war. Since when did Republicans become big fans of a guy who was against, staunchly against, never f- in favor of the war in Iraq? Yeah. It's, and and the guy who was calling George W. Bush a war criminal. Since when are Republicans in favor of that? Well. Just uh, since now, no, I guess. I think, no, I think this is a change that we've even gone through. I, but you look at this war and you're saying this whole thing is just a cluster. It's just, it doesn't, it's not good. But I don't agree with Trump from 2003 and four calling George W. Bush a war criminal and no. evil. I didn't say the that. The worst president in history. And on that. and on and on and on. And he did say all of those things and we but can But you're going it. to get more and more of that. As and, and I don't think most Republicans are where we are in, in non-interventionism. I, I don't want to get into any of that. I don't think they're there. Yeah. Well, I, what I was surprised at is, first of all, I, I couldn't handle the talk of cybersecurity where he was talking about how it's I didn't hear probably, any talk of cybersecurity. I just heard about the cyber. Cyber, yeah, the cyber. Where he was talking about it may be impossible to correct the cyber. What the hell is a cyber? All of a sudden, I'm yeah, like, oh, I don't know, but I'm cyborgs? scared of it. So what is the, um, what is the cyber? Uh, then this poll is a month or a year old. So this is kind of pre-Trump, the pre-Trump rise. Okay. But Republicans, uh, was the Iraq war the right thing to do? 62, yes. 28, no. Hmm. So, they, so the Republicans were still 62, 28 in yeah. favor of the Iraq war one year ago. And now their Republican nominee is on the air, on stage. Because it doesn't, I mean, one of the most, it doesn't matter. They're acting like a Democrat. People, but people yeah. want to blow up the system. And he I, expertly last night yeah. positioned himself as the guy who's going to blow up the system. I, you know, That's why nobody cares that he looked... He, I mean, the cyber. Nobody, what the... 
you don't even know what nuclear. you're talking about. And the nuclear, you don't know what you're talking oh. about. And the fact that he said, we don't, uh, so what? We don't even know if Russia was the one that really hacked into us. We don't know that Russia was the, yeah, we pretty much do know that Russia is the one that is hacked. No, it could have been a 400 pound kid in the. Yeah, a 400 pound hacker in his underpants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's unbelievable. <laughs> so that would be and, fat and then And then to be able to say, and to go on and say, um, and, you know, I'm not going to judge Russia. I don't know Russia. You don't. What? Vladimir Putin. Do you guys know what Vladimir Putin did last week to the FSB? The FSB and then the N, I can't remember, like the NVQ, or I can't remember what it is. There's two departments of security in Russia. There used to be one, and it was the KGB, okay? The KGB was a newfangled thing that came in after Stalin. Stalin had the Department of, uh, it, I, it wasn't this, but it was like the Department of Homeland Security, okay? Um, the Department of something. Um, and that was under Stalin. When Stalin died, because that department, I'm going to call it the Department of Homeland Security, because that Department of Homeland Security was so bad that was the Stasi, that was the SS, that was the Gestapo of Stalin. They killed 20 million of their own citizens. These were the secret police that would kick down doors, take you in the middle of the night, torture you, kill you, shoot you in the woods, bury you. 20 million people, okay? The most, it is literally the Gestapo SS. Stalin left, and everybody was horrified by this group. So, so Khrushchev comes in, and he stops that right away and changes it to the KGB. Then, after the fall of the Soviet Empire, it became the FSB, which is like our FBI. And they separated them. You can only be internal security, and then the end something or other. That, can, that is only external security. That's like the CIA, Okay. And those two are not going to meet because once you put those two together, you get the Gestapo and the KGB, and it's bad. Last week, Putin put those two players back together and created one agency again. Now, remember, he was a KGB officer, and he loves the KGB, so, of course, he named it the KGB. Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> he named it the Did same really? name as Stalin had. That is oh. a message to the people of Russia. Oh. You watch your mouth because I've just put this back into operation. We are seeing you. We're watching you. And we will kill you if you come against me. Also... Two other things, and I know, Stu, you, or Pat, you have the audio. Maybe we should play this in the next half hour. What happened on 60 Minutes over the weekend? No one is talking about it. We're sitting here talking about, oh, his tax returns and her emails. Nobody's talking about what the rest of the world is talking about, which is why what Hillary did at the very end, I want to assure our allies we keep our promises and that we are stable, was the most important thing internationally that could have been said. I'll tell you why here in a second. American Financing is our sponsor this half hour. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 
Falling into debt happens. It happens to everybody. Unexpected home repairs, medical expenses, maybe somebody you know, somebody in, maybe you were out of work for several months. Something just came up. The roof had to be repaired. I don't know what it is, but now you're in a hole and you're not sure how to get out. This is normal and it happens. American Financing would like to, to, for you to consider consolidating your high interest debt into one manageable monthly payment. Now, the interest rates are so low right now that if you refinance, it could save you from $500 to $1,000 every month. American Financing's mortgage consultants are salary-based. They specialize in solutions. They don't count commissions. They're not trying to, you know, some bank instrument that the bank is pushing. They're not going to push that on you. They don't make their money that way. They want the right thing for you. No commissions. Salaried people. You want to buy a home? You want to refinance? Take advantage of the low interest rates, but don't wait. AmericanFinancing.net is America's home uh, for home loans. 866-750-6551. 866-750-6551. AmericanFinancing.net. We are the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Listening to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, last night, I want to get back to um, Russia and uh, another piece that you need to be aware of, um, so you're not surprised because the rest of the country is going to be surprised. When did this happen? Well, right now, while, you, while everybody was fighting over their partisan politics, um, we'll give that to you here in uh, in just a second. Also, what was the name of the woman that Hillary Clinton brought up at the very last? Uh, in the debate last Miss night, Universe, Miss Universe from Venezuela, yeah, nineteen ninety-six. Did anybody know what he was, what she was talking about? I didn't. I never heard time. of it. They've released an ad though that kind of outlines it, and it is horrific. Pretty damning. And the audio from Trump was bad, and it and it really bad, and it and it, you kind of you you realize why his face looked that way when she brought it up uh, yeah. last night. We'll have a little bit of that, but more on. The trouble that is coming over the horizon that has nothing to do with politics that you need to know about. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Glenn Beck program. Sure. No. Yeah. Welcome to the uh, program. 100 million people they are expecting now that may have been watching the debates last wow. night. 100 million people. Remarkable. Absolutely is that, is that remarkable. I mean, do we have actual? No, we don't know. They say that um, in the overnights that they've gotten, it is way up, and they believe that this is the most watched. Um, uh, debate in American history. It would be one of the most watched television events in U.S. history. I think it was if it gets to 90 million, it would tie for ninth. I think is the stat I heard on CNN yesterday. 100 million would have to put it 
Yeah, it's like Top five. Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah the, the number one most watched for sure. TV event of all time was the Super Bowl from last year, I believe. Wow. And it was like 125 million or something. Wow. Has that passed MASH, the final episode? <laughs> yes, I think it has. <laughs> wow, where has. have I been? Huh. So, um, but I will tell you that I, I was, you know, now that I know that there might have been 100 million people, I wondered why Lester Holt and I thought, oh my gosh, how stupid do you have to be? When he said, this is a presidential debate and the two candidates, uh, there will be two people speaking. One will be Hillary Clinton, who is running for the Democrats, and one will be Donald Trump, who's running for the Republicans. And I'm like, you have to tell us who these guys are? I mean, who doesn't know at this point? Lots of people don't know. Yeah, Lots of people don't know. It's amazing. I mean, a lot of those people, it's interesting because it's a weird balance. Because people who follow politics don't necessarily want to hear you know, dredging up Donald Trump's four bankruptcies again, right? We've heard it a million times. Most people haven't. But a lot of people haven't heard it a million times. Yeah. So it's a weird balance for a candidate to try to figure out. By the way, uh, Super Bowls between 2010 uh, and 2016 are all of the top seven most watched TV events of all time. Number one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. The number eight is the MASH finale, 105.9 million viewers. Wow, was that really that many? Oh, yeah. Incredible. That was, that was a long time ago. That was in the 80s? Yeah. February 28th, 1983. Then after that, you've got Super Bowl, 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 Super Bowl. And then Cheers finale, number 20. Wow. Unbelievable. Gee, what sport runs this country? Wow. I and mean, that's amazing. 18 of the top 20 shows of all time. Well, as they said on think Concussion. Of that, Mash, think of that. Mash and Cheers yeah. were the only two. Uh, think, of the, think of that. At the time, though, uh, there was only, what, th- four or five? I mean, if you have cable, you had 20 stations. I mean, it was a different yeah. time. Yeah, definitely. You know, you didn't have the fractured viewing that you have now. So. Um, and, and you look at, like, 2016, for example. The most watched shows in 2016. Uh, number one was Super Bowl 50, 111.9 million. Number two was the Super Bowl 50 post-game show, 70 million for the yeah. post-game show. But that's number two. Wow. It's 100 million. You're talking a show that's on the level of the Super Bowl because the third most watched show was Donald Trump's RNC acceptance speech with 34.9 million. So I was um, I got an email from somebody last night um, who said or maybe a Facebook post or a tweet or something that said, I am in a bar in Australia and all the Aussies are laughing and uh, I am crying. She was an American she just wanted to go watch someplace where she could see the debate. She's crying, and they were just laughing and mocking the whole thing. And, uh, I mean, I wonder what the worldwide audience was for this. I mean, that's what so many people put on my Facebook. It was how embarrassing this is. Totally embarrassing. Can so you imagine? I, I, you know, I watched this. I watch this as me. I watch this as three people. The person who's sitting on the bar stool that is in Cleveland who just lost their job or in Indiana lost their job of a carrier. And what are they thinking? Well, you can't be in Cleveland and Indiana. You know what I mean. And, uh, and, uh, I thought it was a fat joke to me all of a sudden. <laughs> um, and so, and I think Donald Trump won that. Um, then I watched as a millennial, and I don't think either one of those watched. I watched as me, somebody who is informed. And uh, I thought Hillary Clinton won. Um, much to my chagrin and abhorrence because I couldn't get past her first, what, three minutes where she was like, mm-hmm. and Karl Marx is great, right? I mean, who doesn't like Karl Marx? You sort of have to separate yourself from your Everything. policy beliefs, right? I mean, yeah. when you're watching that, because obviously 
you know, everything she says is incredible. It's horrible. With the exception of trade, which is amazing to say. But, yes. I mean, a lot of the policies she brings out are so liberal, I could never yeah, the, vote for I could never vote for her. And and the only thing she was right on was trade uh, and Putin. She's still bad on and trade. And Putin, yeah. yes. She's still bad on Correct. trade. She's just better than Correct. And, and she's horrible on everything. Horrible. But as I'm watching as me, I believe the world is going so unstable and everyone is rushing to chaos. Agents of chaos, not change, chaos. And I believe that Donald Trump is an agent of chaos. Um, he is just a destroy it and eh, we'll pick up the pieces and it, wor- it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It never has. And, um, and so I was watching it as me and, and cheering sometimes for Donald Trump uh, and cheering sometimes, well, not cheering for her, no, but thinking that she was okay other times. Where I thought she was the best was just her stability. And the last thing that she said was uh, a message to our allies. And I couldn't, I mean, if... If I'm an ally, that's the last group of people that I tried to imagine. If I'm an ally and I'm watching overseas, I'm thinking, my gosh, I am watching America disintegrate. What the hell is going to happen to my country? Mm-hmm. What is going to happen to us now? If America falls in, what is going to happen to us? Because we, we do control the West. What is going to happen to us? And most people don't know this. I've said a year ago that we are... We are in World War III, and we just don't know it. Vladimir Putin has said we are in World War III, and the West won't wake up to it. On Sunday, on 60 Minutes, nobody watches 60 Minutes anymore, but King Abdul, uh, Abdullah said this about World War III. He says the West doesn't realize it's in a third world war. I think this is the challenge that we've had over the past several years, where people look at, you know, is it Iraq this year or Syria next year? Well, what about Libya? What about uh, Boko Haram or Shabab in in Africa? We have to look at it from a global perspective. All of these things need to be attacked at the same time. You can't concentrate on Syria one year and then deal with Boko Haram in another. The prime example is, as you see certain military successes in Syria and Iraq against Daesh, um, the leadership, they're telling their fighters uh, either don't come to Syria or Iraq or moving their command structure to Libya. Um, and so are we going to wait to get our act together to, to concentrate on Libya? Um, and then, you know, do we wait a year or two to start helping the Africans deal with Boko Haram or Shabab? Um, so we've got to get ahead of the curve um, because they're um, reacting much quicker than, than we are. Okay, so, so he is talking about a global war. We're not, we're not dealing with that at all. I mean, uh, Donald Trump said last night the only reason why NATO is looking into uh, terror is because of him. No, Don, I mean, no. It might have had a little more to do with the bombings in Paris and Brussels and Germany. It might have had a little bit that Europe, it was brought home to them in spades and a little less to do with your suggestion. But maybe that's... Again, another Howard Stern technique. I know. He invented every form of uh, radio that you can possibly do because everybody's copying him. It's just, it's it's remarkable. So um, the other thing that happened on 60 Minutes um, was there was an expert talking about Russia. Do we have this? I, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, talking about Russia and how Russia, we have, all of our nukes are from the 1960s. They're just, they're done. 
And Donald Trump actually shockingly knew a little bit about this last night when he was talking about the nukes or the nuclear. Um, But he talked about how ours are all fading. And he's right. Now, while he was dismissing Russia, Mm. don't dismiss Russia. Russia has now put into effect brand new nukes. They are, they are moving to monitor, uh, modernize their entire nuclear arsenal. Um, they're getting serious. I told you about um, how they have just combined into the Ministry of State Security, which is basically what uh, Stalin had to scare his own population. And, hey, there's going to be torture rooms and, uh, and Siberia is coming back, if you aren't politically correct. Um, uh, he is moving towards a war footing. He has said uh, cyber hacking is the opening salvo of World War III. He said it won't be fought with bombs at first. It will be fought with, it will be fought with ones and zeros. What we had last night on stage were two people. One was too afraid because I don't think she even knew that the conversation, there is no such thing as the cyber um, last night when they were talking about cybersecurity and Donald Trump said, I don't think there's any way to prevent the cyber. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm looking and thinking if I'm Vladimir Putin, I am licking my chops and rubbing my hands together. Yep. These people have no clue as to what's coming their way. You need to be informed because one of these guys is going to win. One of these guys is going to win. And we're going to need the protection of divine providence. You are personally going to need it. Um, and, and we have to start counting on that and being people of merit, like George Washington said. You know, um, I don't think, I, well, I know, people don't understand my stance. They don't understand my stance. My stance is not, is not for you. I'm, I'm not asking you to take my stance. I'm taking my stance. Um, I know that by doing study of the people who actually changed the world, they didn't, they didn't suddenly develop principles and like, hey, you know what? And they, they didn't suddenly become a stormtrooper. It's a slow drip one way or the other. You have to start standing for the small things, or when the big things happen, you're never going to have... It's a muscle. You have to start standing for principles when it's relatively easy. And that way, when there's a knock on the door and they say, hey, we're going to take your friends because of X, Y, or Z, you know you have this muscle to say, no, you take them, you take me too. And all of a sudden, you're that guy. You have to start exercising that muscle, or that muscle won't work when you need it. You're not going to suddenly become... Heroic. I also know that in my case, and this is why it was unfair for for me to say yesterday about um, uh, Ted Cruz, about, you know, well, he's a politician. Of course he's a politician. That's what his job is. He's a politician. Now, I hoped that he wasn't. I hoped that he wasn't going to make political calculations, but that's what he did. And he, he should have, I guess. He's a politician. I don't make those because I'm, in, I'm not a politician. And yes, well, you're a businessman. Yes, but it's my business. And I've been broke before, and I've lost my name before. I've lost my credibility. I've lost my family. I've lost everything. I know what's important. I know the one thing I don't want to lose, and that's my connection to God and, and breaking of my promise to him that I will do what he tells me to do. 
And I know that puts you in an uncomfortable position if you make that deal with him. It's a covenant. And I've made that covenant with him. But I know that even this is the protection of divine providence that I keep talking about. Others will say, well, if I don't do this, then I'll lose my voice, or I won't be in Congress, or I won't be in the Senate, or I won't be president. Okay. My view is, oh, if I don't do this, well, then I might lose my audience, and I might lose my radio show, and I might lose my television show, and I might lose my network, and I might lose my online subscription business. I might lose all of that. Okay. And you know who had the most powerful voice in all of South Africa? A guy who hadn't even been seen, Nelson Mandela, in prison. If you, if you believe in divine providence like I do, you could lose your country, you could lose your business, you could lose your position. But if you are a person of merit and principle, you're not going to lose the thing that the Lord wanted you to do because he'll put you in a position. And that doesn't mean it's the same position you're in. I am very aware that I might end up sometime underneath a tree, pretty much by myself, maybe 10 people, and I'm like, okay, guys, this is what I think that this is what I think this means. And this is what, and I might be with just 10 people. I'm cool with that. I don't believe my children are going to have a better life than me. Okay? I have a pretty sweet life. My kids aren't going to be able to make this. You're not going to be able to make this. So I want my children to be free. I'm not worried about that. And I've lost all my stuff before. I think that's where we, that's where I am. And if you don't want to go there, that's cool. But if you want to go there, then we have to start exercising our muscles when it's easier than it will be, even though it seems really, really super hard right now. A major internet company has uh, confirmed a data breach affecting at least 500 million accounts. That's Yahoo. Uh, and I don't know what they're going to do about the cyber. Um, but stolen information, including users' names, passwords, phone numbers, birthdays, and emails. A lot of this is because of Russia. Russia has said that they're going to do this, and they have hired, they have a whole hacking center that is funded by the government. If you think you're covered by free credit monitoring, you're not. No one can prevent all identity theft, monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the best, and if you have a problem, they help clean it up. Nobody else does that. Right now, you can get a special 15% discount. Just uh, call or visit LifeLock.com and use the promo code BEC15 and take advantage of the 15% discount. Offer ends at the end of next month, October 30th. Call 800-440-4936. LifeLock.com. BEC15 is the promo code 800-440-4936. one 800 440 Welcome to the uh, program. Can I ask you a random question? No. Because we were talking about the, the most watched TV shows of all time. Why did the MASH finale get 100 million viewers? The, the ratings for the last season were among the lowest of the entire series. 
Yeah, but why did that last episode? Because it was over now, and everybody who used to watch there was a, there came was back a, for the last episode. Yeah, but there was a big, um, there was a big cliffhanger of something. I don't remember what it was, but there was a big resolution of something. I think. Well, I think they thought everybody was going to go home, right? Yeah. I, I don't even remember with, how it ended, but I, I remember everybody and it wanted was to see that massively promoted. Yeah. Even the promotion though it, was huge. Even with 100 million viewers on that last episode, it still only finished number three for the season. What? Wow. Wow. This is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury.